Hey, real quick, before we get started, Content Matters with a Z is our content marketing company that helps entrepreneurs tell their own stories to those who care. And here's the thing. We think every entrepreneur that is willing should have their own content platform. And we want to help make that happen, both by working directly with entrepreneurs and by sharing our own stories, exploring the craft of content marketing. Content Matters, one piece of content at a time. Learn more at kazcontent.com. Can we just talk about the fact that you just got over COVID? Yeah. My entire family had COVID. Weren't you guys all like triple vaxxed? No. Double so vaxxed? So I can give you the rundown of what give we had. Because I thought I had it. It was the J&J uh-huh. was number one. Because yeah. we got that like March of whenever the vaccines came out. I think right. people started getting it maybe in January, February. We got it in March. We got a call. Do you want it? Like, what's the vaccine? Does it matter at that point? Just take the shots. So we got the shot. So we got the J&J. And then you come to find out like, Man, that maybe is not the best one they had to offer. Yeah. There's three and as Dave Chappelle was calling it, like going to TJ Maxx. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, That was funny. That's about right. But then when we went back and got the booster, Mm -hmm. we got the Moderna booster. So it was like, ooh, that one, two deadly combo, one, two punch. I don't think COVID could handle that. But I guess Omicron, Omicron, is it whatever one of those doesn't care? Well, it doesn't discriminate. And so my son had it, but he was quarantined and... No one else got it from him because yeah. he had had it and he didn't have it. But I guess you can keep it for months. I don't know if you're still contagious three months later. Who knows, right? The science doesn't matter. The science matters. Understanding like what... I know, but I'll get to that in a minute. Go ahead. No, jeez. Oh, no, don't worry, man. It's going to be good. It's gonna be <laughs> but anyway, then my daughter was sick. She tested negative two or three times for COVID. Right. So there's numerous viruses out, just like there are every of year. Of course, yeah. And then... We tested her again. I think my wife had tested positive. Yeah. So my daughter tested. So she had it. So yeah. they both had it. So I'm there helping out and then woke up, little scratchy throat, little dry, whatever. Mm-hmm. It was like later that day, I took a test and sure enough, I was positive. Yeah. My youngest daughter, this is interesting. She tested negative. She couldn't go back to school because she had some symptoms. So like she can't come to school. Sure. Okay. So they, you have to take a PCR test. So take her to Walgreens, get the PCR test on a Thursday. We got the results back of that PCR test the following Wednesday. So I think one of the biggest issues that I've seen that's frustrating mm-hmm. is the testing. Oh yeah. So first of all, the testing, like that would have been the thing to do early on, right? Hindsight, right. like the test should have been easy, fast, and everyone can make a decision. Like you quarantine because you tested positive. To wait over a week, by the time that test got back, it was negative. But yep. in the meantime, she had tested positive with the home test, right. with the rapid. And then her symptoms were like very minor, like small cold, kind of tired. But anyway, yeah. So the entire family, what's crazy about it though, it's like wildfire. Yeah. You know, we've had sicknesses like any family would. Of course. Where other people get the sickness, but it, usually there's a lag in between. This was like immediate. Right, yeah. So it's kind of crazy, but you know, we're good. My son who had had it got sicker later. So he had after effects of like bronchitis, hmm. which is not what you want, especially no, as a teenage no. boy. So yeah. you just don't know. You just don't know. Like you were talking about before we were on here, you know, brain fog, making mistakes, doing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you're having to write things down because yeah. you're going to get like midway into a thought and be like, mm. totally forgot. Yeah. Just zone out for a little bit. Yeah. It's a good thing you got somebody who can edit this. Yes. So I had COVID. Thanks for asking. <laughs> this is just more anecdotal, I think. I don't know what real evidence they put out on Isn't this it point. all anecdotal? Maybe at this point. Man, you don't even know what I'm going to say is anecdotal. It's a cool world, 
cool world, cool word to say. There's that I, brain fog. Yeah. Yeah. You want to try is. that again? No, Take I don't. Two. I don't. Three. Just two, like, no, it could be natural. One. Yeah. Like natural immunity, okay. which you and I both have now. Okay. Do you want to go there? <laughs> I know you do. No, man. I mean, that's, I will say this, right? Diving into these things is something that I do take the time to do, to really look at. Like, yeah. so if the CDC would put out a report on natural immunity, which they had it listed way back. So after we got it, my wife actually is the first one who got COVID. This is March, 2021. So this is like the OG COVID. No, no, this is the Delta. Oh, it's Delta. It's the bad boy. Okay. Yeah, it's the Delta Force of colds. Yeah. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's a movie. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Legendary. Yeah. So we had that one. That one kicked her butt pretty good. For me, it just felt more like a bad cold and lost taste and smell. Yeah. You know, couldn't smell farts. That messes for about a, with you, I would imagine. It does. It's, well, you know, it's different for different people. I mean, I can only speculate, and this is probably just anecdotal, because that's a really <laughs> cool world. Oh, I'm sorry. Word. <laughs> But is that for me, for so long, from racing, bicycles, training, all of that for years before kids, food, which I enjoyed, but it was also like a fuel. Yeah. Taste wasn't, it was like kind of secondary. It's like, it was weird to eat. There's this great Mexican place by where we live here in Matthews. It's Keando. Okay. Yeah. So all the yeah, people, yeah. There's, they've got other locations around here. Okay. But I got some of their tacos and, you know, so I love the roast beef. It's really spicy. It's okay. fatty, which yeah. I like. And so I remember eating those. I couldn't taste them. They're usually really spicy. Mm. But the fat that was in it, my body was just like, this is good. Okay. This is really good right now. So I was able to still eat. I didn't have a problem. I've talked to other people that lost taste and smell and they lost like 25 pounds because they couldn't eat. I was like, well, I didn't really have that problem. Yeah. They couldn't eat because they just didn't have an appetite. Correct. Well, it's because they didn't taste anything. So that affected, at least from what they've told me. The senses are turned off in a way. So you don't even think of eating. Yeah. You're just like, you're hungry, but you can't taste anything, which would mess with your head anyway. You'd think like something's, and it was weird. It wasn't like losing taste and smell when you have a cold. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm just stuffed up. Yeah. It was different. Yeah. It was like, that was just turned off completely. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have that. You know, but no, that's, they the Omicron, it's not really a thing. Well, that's what they say, right? They're saying that, look, taste and smell loss is more associated with the Delta variant, which mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know. Right. That could just be speculation, but I was really interested in this, obviously, after we got it in March, 2021. My wife, she tested positive on a Monday. She was scheduled to get vaccinated on a Wednesday. Oh, wow. And she tested positive first. And you would have thought, and I've told people this, that she would never get it. She was very cautious. And that I was out actively trying to get it, which is not true. But compared to her, right. you would think that, right? Yeah, yeah. She's the one that catches it first, brings it home. Yeah. And there's no telling, right? Right, right. Yeah, well, no, I can tell you where we got it. Okay. Guaranteed. Okay. Florida. Because okay. we were down in Florida. Okay. And there was no mask policies yeah. down there. Wide open. Know, wide open. But even down there, she would still wear them indoors. Sure. All that stuff. So I'm guessing that had to be where we got it. We yeah. just look at the timeline. It was that number of days prior to when she okay. tested positive. So yeah. that's what we assume. Yeah. But no, I've, I've been very interested in this. And it is uh, the things that I was following early on were the studies coming out of Israel. Because they were actually studying it. Because they didn't have... The thing that's been frustrating about this is there's been a clear-cut dominant narrative that is being pushed, first and foremost, like I think mRNA technology is, I've been following that for years. I think it's incredible. Vaccines, I mean, they've been proven to be very effective to keeping you from dying mm-hmm. and out of the hospital, if especially if you're at high risk. So my mother's immunocompromised. So all that said is like, look, they serve a real purpose. I remember when the vaccines first came out, they were actually saying that, hey, look, you know, this is going to help you. This doesn't guarantee you won't get it. But mm-hmm. if you do, it's designed to, you know, reduce hospitalization and right. death. This is a fundamental problem I think we have right now. And it really 
went full force during the Trump years, but is that the media just became so narrative focused. They just want to push what it's like, no, no, this over here is bad. Yeah. This over here is good. Yeah. And it's come to a point where the vast majority of people are like, all of you are full of shit. Yeah. And that's the problem because, yeah, I mean, we see so many policies not being enacted and some being enacted that are all based on what? Re-election, maybe? Pretty much. On all sides. It's a narrative war. We're just in a narrative war. And yeah. the thing I look around at is, I mean, just like what we talked about with Dr. Fauci, who I have no love for, never have since he lied to us in the Trump administration. I was like, to me, I'm like, hey, look, dude, I don't try to get all into like the conspiracies about his bank account. I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. I just look at this as a public official who is looked to for expertise, if you openly lie, then admit it and make excuses for it and then continue to do it, which he shouldn't have been in a position to continue to do it, because that's problematic. Trust is lost fast, but it can be secured fast too. And it starts with being honest with people. And this is something I think is a fundamental problem today, is that at the top level, from an elite level, right, mm-hmm. people in power need to keep power. This is just basic human dynamics. And so there was this great concern that everybody's going to go out and start buying masks. There's this great concern that the American people would just all be in it for themselves. And the reality is, is that they didn't even give the American people a chance to prove that theory right or wrong. And what I've seen over and over again, at least in my community and with my own interactions with folks is people for the most part are good. Like if shit goes down, like I was looking around, other folks were too, and we're like, hey, what can we do to help each other out? people that hadn't actually met, neighbors that I hadn't met yet because we were new in our neighborhood. We were looking for ways to connect and just say, hey, this is where I'm at. Here's my number if you need something. So all of this concern that, oh, well, if we tell people the truth, they're just going to go out and hoard everything. It's like, no, you might think that if you watch the news because they're only going to go after those stories. They're only going to find the story of of the 20-year-old who's living on food stamps and buying lobster. You know, like dumb shit like that to prove a point, but that's not the majority of people. Yeah, well, this was interesting. At the beginning... I remember this day because it was like right when COVID was starting and yeah. I was actually recording a podcast and it was with Cullen Jones, who's the Olympian swimmer, right? He's coming to the office and I had a debate with myself. Do we have him in for everybody's sake? Sure. Yeah. Should he come into the office? Should he not? And I asked people and everyone's like, oh, it's fine. It's no big deal. This thing will be over in a couple of weeks and no one's oh, got no. it. Mm-mm. Anyway, so that's that day and we ended up having him in, but I knew like this was it. Yeah. And it was like right after that, then people started to get on board. Yeah. And I called him actually beforehand, before he came in and asked him what he thought and what sure. he felt comfortable with. He had actually just traveled. This was at the time he had just, yeah. but he was good. He had been back long enough. He had tested. He couldn't have tested. Yeah, they didn't have tested. He, right. he didn't yeah. have tested. But my point is on that day in South Charlotte, you might remember this, E. coli break out in the water. Oh. So I was driving, I dropped my kids off at school and I was coming to the office and I went to a Harris Teeter because I was like, you need water. You need, mm-hmm. I just was like, what do we do? That's we don't have a more frequent occurrence in Charlotte. Have you noticed that? Well, that was a big one. So you go there and I was there pretty early. So they had some water. Right. But while I was there for like the 10 minutes, yeah. the water was disappearing fast. Oh, and the toilet paper. Yes. Totally. And that was, the toilet paper was who knows what. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I totally agree that there's some things that happen with the government that we don't want to know, right? You talk about the military. Oh, I get it. I work with guys like that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I know you do. And I say that because of that, but I do agree that like, if people were freaking out and panicking, I agree. There's a lot of good people. There's also not a lot of good people. That means sure. there's a lot of bad people. And I do think there's people to help, you know, there's cities of brotherly love and all these things and families and community and that matters. But I also, there's things that you just run out of because 
my thing is more important than whatever you're dealing with. And maybe we're dealing with the same thing, but it's more important to me. Right. No different than someone cutting you off on the road because they have to get wherever they're going faster than you do. Yeah. And if they cut you off and run you into a telephone pole, hey, I got to get where I'm going. So I don't know. I'm not saying I sit here and agree with the politicians. I think both administrations have mishandled this Big thing. Time. Big so time. I could care less what side it's on, but I don't know how it would have gone had he not lied. Because like you said, he had to admit that he lied eventually. And yeah. here was the excuse, which you said, well, yeah. But like if they made everyone run out and get it, people would have panicked and freaked out. Except, so again, we're just guessing. Oh yeah. But I think that the safest bet in every situation is to give people the benefit of the doubt. That's fair. And he didn't do that. He didn't give the American people the opportunity to do that. Because here's the thing. If he just said, look, hey, water makes sense, but why toilet paper was flying out the shelf. But that's like you said before, there's like this media stuff. And once you hear that something's running out, it was a supply and demand, right? So it's totally. like there's all of a sudden there's this yeah. demand that no one could have predicted. Yeah. Right. Why is everybody getting toilet paper? It makes no sense, right? Right. Made no sense because they didn't know anything. So people panicked to that point. Correct. People panicked. Because that's how the media is incentivized is to get you to panic, get you outraged, keep your attention. Yeah. Well, there's been conversation to say, well, like the media, obviously they've maybe worked together. They've branded this thing together. Yeah. I guess it would depend on which part. I mean, I... All sides. Yeah. It takes a great deal of human coordination. And this is, we're kind of veering off, but I'll swing back around here. But it's also like with conspiracy theories, which, you know, in my line of work, a lot of the stuff that people point to is like, hey, look, this was pre-planned. I've heard this on Joe Rogan. I've heard this on uh, other folks talking about, they're just like, oh, look, I don't know if they called it. It was the, the whole debacle about Johns Hopkins pre-planning this whole thing. They're like, oh yeah, well, they were talking about this. You know, they had a conference around this and I was like, oh, I wish I could just call in and say, guys, actually, but that is a scenario development plan. So in my line of work, we do that a lot. You know, you start to project over the next five, 10, 15, 20 years and you develop these three-dimensional scenarios that are telling a story as though it's actually happening. So what it does is it gives you a context to the future that you can work within and start to imagine and vision. Whereas most people try to envision the future, they're really just kind of projecting into a one-dimensional space that they have no understanding of. Right. So a scenario plan looks like, hey, we've had these plans. I mean, just like you know, the project for a new American century, which is what a lot of 9-11 conspiracy theories point to, is that the cover of that was the Twin Towers being hit by planes. You're like, see? It's like, well... That was a long thought about possibility in the intelligence community because the, the Twin Towers had already been bombed and they were looking at various possible scenarios. I'm not saying everything is above board, but what I am saying is that a lot of these things that they look at and say, these things are pre-planned, nefarious actors, a lot of it can be boiled down to, you no, know, they were just exercising foresight and looking at various scenarios and possibilities. Seems coincidental, but it's really not as coincidental as you might think. Now, going back to giving the people the benefit of the doubt. We have to do that more often. Public officials aren't trusted because they don't give people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And if they're only saying, hey, look, there's a run on toilet paper and that's all they tell you, well, sure, you're going to be like, well, I need to get toilet paper. If Fauci were to come out and say, hey, listen, if they were to, what you hear other people talk about, appeal to the, it's referenced a lot when they talk about Martin Luther King. He appealed to the higher nature. Ah, oh, God, I sound like an idiot here. But, it, you know, he didn't come out and say, this is wrong and you need to think it's right. He came out and appealed to like the foundational principles, the higher principles of the American Constitution. Look, we all believe in this. You say you believe in this and we're not living up to that, right? That's the same thing. That same principle, I think, needs to be applied for public health officials and anybody who's in power is that, look, I'm going to appeal to your higher self. I'm going to appeal to your higher moral value here. And if I were to come out and say, masks are important right now. 
However, we do have a shortage of masks, and our healthcare workers need those more than anybody. So please do not make a run on masks. And the only masks that really help are those NK95s, you know? Right. But instead, coming out and say, masks don't work. You don't need to go and cover yourself up. Now, in retrospect, he actually wasn't lying about that. Yeah. They don't. Unless it's an NK95, the majority of it's like, it's... Yeah, it's like, who knows? But again, it's like, it's not been studied long enough to even truly know. But there's what you're saying. What you're saying is trust. Right? Trust is the key. So there's a situation with my daughter recently and she wanted to watch, she likes anime, right? It's my youngest So kid. is mine. Yeah, she loves it. So she wants to watch this show. Which and, one? Because I'm locking those in Demon Slayer. It was something, it sounded rough. So I was yeah. like, okay, this one Gotta seems a little demon. bit. So yeah. she showed us and we're like, I don't know. So we talked about it and she really wanted to watch it. She's getting a little upset. It's fine. It's normal. It's typical behavior of someone that age. At the end of it, she's like, so can I watch it? And I said, you know what? I trust you mm -hmm. to make that decision. Uh, if you think it's okay to watch, then I'll back you on that. You know, say it exactly like that. But that was the idea. She? She's 10. You're an idiot. You're an idiot. She's 10. She didn't watch. <laughs> she didn't watch. So there's a point like it's not an exact example right that uh -huh. works but i think there is a layer of trust in allowing them and to see what they do with it right sure. and maybe they've had enough experience i have no idea if that tied it in at all but you talked about joe rogan before huh so there's a trust in saying we're going to remove certain content right from a platform right because basically we don't trust you that your brain is capable of handling whatever information that you've just received oh yeah that seems to be a problem oh that's a major problem because that's just taking away the right of free speech. Now I get it. Sometimes there's people out there that are saying bad stuff and it might be toxic to people and not everyone's gonna think through it and sit with that information for a while and make their own decision. But why not, if you don't like what Joe Rogan says or what he stands for or mm -hmm. any of that stuff, and I could care less what side you're on, yeah, yeah. just don't listen. Seriously, what a novel idea. Right, but I guess the concept <laughs> there is Spotify is so big right now that they have a responsibility. I'm not saying they do, but this is what some arguments are being said. And I could understand it to a degree. They have a responsibility to moderate, to understand what content's being put out there. Is it lies being told about the vaccine, right? Whatever that might be, does Spotify have that responsibility? Or can Spotify say, listen, this is content. This content works for us. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to listen to it, you don't have to listen to it. Just don't hit play. I mean, that's, I've always said, like, control your feed. Yeah. I think your feed lives everywhere. Your email, it could be as basic as that. The mail that you get, the conversations that you have. But then obviously the feed is Facebook, Twitter, sure. Instagram, the podcast, the mm -hmm. music that you listen to, the music and movies that your kid watches. Yep. You can control that feed and have those conversations. I guess the problem is a lot of people just aren't going to think of it and they're just going to consume as much as possible. And then that narrative that you've been talking about gets built through those things, right? Because there are people, like you watch The Social Dilemma, mm -hmm. you can send someone down this rabbit hole. For sure. Of believing something, whatever that is, and then you discard everything else and you only believe that. So if someone's like, oh yeah, Joe Rogan's right and everyone he has on the, is absolutely right. Critical thinking is difficult, right? And it requires thought and it requires change, possibly yeah. in your own mind to say, oh, you might be right about that. Because yeah. it's, it's very rare on social media that you're going to have someone have that like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Maybe you're right. right. You and I might have a conversation as friends and I might change my mind on something, but we could disagree on these things. The problem is it gets very toxic in that. Anyway, going back to it, like, just don't listen.
Right. If it's that upsetting to you. But I also understand like these things are highly addictive Mm -hmm. because for all those conversations that he's having that people don't like listening to it, I bet you his numbers go up. They do. Because the people that are on his side are always going to listen. Of course. And the negative is like, more people are going to show up to like, I got to see what's going on here. Right. Well, and I think if we just simplify everything, it just comes down to this. At what point did it become even a valid argument to, gosh, I think I'm using this right, infantilize the public? Right? At what point? The very fact that, oh, this misinformation, when you crack down on misinformation. Again, like the reality is, is that if you really, let's go to the facts and you look at misinformation, we just, we're talking about Fauci. I mean, who has consistently spread misinformation for the purpose of this, what you would call a noble lie so that people aren't hoarding this or the public can't take this yet or they can't do X, Y, and Z. It's like, that's misinformation. Or coming out and deliberately misleading the public about natural immunity, for example, which they did forever. And then finally, the CDC has published a paper that proves the exact same thing that the Israel papers proved as well, that your natural immunity after having COVID-19, and this was specific to the Delta variant, was like 27 times higher than being vaccinated. Now, that's not saying that you shouldn't be vaccinated, but it's like, hey, look, if you've already had it, do you really need to be vaccinated? And they're like, oh, absolutely, definitely, yes. And I would read articles in this and then dig into the sources and the things that they were citing. And I was like, these studies that they're citing aren't actually studies. It's speculation, right? It's saying, hey, you should be vaccinated you should definitely be vaccinated because it's unknown how this virus will evolve or it's unknown how this virus will affect you. And I say, hold on a second. If you were speaking in definites about an uncertain situation, that's a red flag. It's like, look, that's an open conversation. Science should be an open conversation and debate and sharing different perspectives so that you can get to the root of it. The whole issue around Joe Rogan, this is like a multi-layered problem. The problem is, is that there's one dominant narrative and that's the dominant narrative that is a coordinated narrative, which is like, everything is about the vaccine. And again, I'm not anti-vax. I'm like, hey, get the vaccine. If you need to get the vaccine, get it, right? There's nothing, I don't care. There's nothing wrong with that. I think definitely if you're in a vulnerable population, you should definitely get vaccinated, 100%. My mother's immunocompromised. She's triple vaccinated, all that. She just recovered from COVID. And I think it would have been horrible for her had she not been vaccinated. So I'm very glad that she was. All that being said, the big problem that we have here is that we're comparing apples and oranges. They're saying Joe Rogan's spreading misinformation, which is not true. He's not spreading anything. He's having conversations, right? right? And misinformation is defined by the mainstream or dominant narrative, which is anything that goes against this dominant narrative. If you are challenging what we are saying, that's misinformation. But anything that they're saying is not misinformation. And I think most people can see this, is that this is bullshit. What you label as misinformation may actually be true six months from now. Because there actually has been a factual, like there's been a pattern of that. The lab leak theory is completely, there's no way that it came out of a lab. That was fringe thinking. Now it's like, no, actually the probability of that is very high. In fact, it looks pretty obvious that that's what happened. Not not saying it's intentional, but it's like things leak from labs all the time, believe it or not. So this is where critical thinking comes in. Yeah. There's an argument about Joe Rogan doing something. It's like, he didn't do anything except for he upset the dominant narrative. Yeah. What's the problem? Yeah. Well, I think there's a opportunity to take someone out, right? Oh, but they failed at that. No, they did. And they were going to. Yeah. And, you know, it's like you get that one week hit and sometimes you just have to lay low for someone in that status. But I think there was an opportunity to take someone out. Oh, sure. And that includes Spotify and the big tech companies and they don't like them. And the music industry has been in turmoil for a long time as it relates to how much money they get paid. Yeah. No different to say, if you don't like their policy. Don't listen. I know, right? Right. 
Well, that's like if you work at a company and they pay you a certain compensation structure and you don't like it. Most state, well, North Carolina is a right to work state. You could leave right, and they could fire you. So if you don't like that, then go somewhere else. And there's nothing wrong with that. So if you don't think that your music, if you're not getting paid properly, not to mention Spotify is not the lowest, mm-hmm. but it's like, okay, so what are the other options you do? I mean, there's Chance the Rapper. Right. He does it. And I don't know exactly where he stands today with it. And I don't know his opinions on all this. And I've never talked to him about it. But like, he, his music was just given away for free. It wasn't about that. It was about the merch. It was about the concerts. It was about... He knew he wasn't going to make much money off the music. Yeah. The music was the gateway to all this other stuff. Well, you know, and the other thing too is this, you know, I was saying this is like a multi-layer problem from our generation. We are looking at this through the view of Gen X, how we grew up, right? So let's look at this through the view of late millennials and Gen Z, right? You know, we just talk about the age groups, right? One of the things that's been, that I think is really driven a lot of this to where it just, it seems insane to us, but where did this idea come from that information or what you hear has equal weight of, of harm as like a physical act against you, right? So the whole concept of safe space, like, oh, I can't hear that because that is causing me violence. Like this distortion of meaning and this imbalance of two things, right? Like if you hear me say something and it's offensive, that's not the same as me punching you in the teeth. It's not, it's just not. But you might say, yes, it is. And just start to like psychoanalyze it down to its core. It's like, fine, you can do that all you want. But that philosophy, this idea of safetyism is running through so many parts of our society, especially in the media. But it's this whole thing, like we need to make sure everybody feels safe. Yeah. Well, then if you, everybody's gonna feel safe, then you have to have a clear definition of what is harm that causes a lack of safety. And that's where things get really blurry. You see it on college campuses. It's worked its way into corporate America. This is a a generational problem that also makes this insane ass argument about Joe Rogan and information and misinformation and tech companies censoring. Well, you have a choice with that. You don't in the workplace, you don't on a sports team. That's the problem that I think people run into. So if someone's in a toxic work environment, and that's why a lot of people stopped working because they worked at a restaurant, they worked crazy hours, they weren't paid on time. For sure, yeah. They were treated unfairly. Yeah. There was discrimination, there was sexism, there's all those things, that is not safe. And I would agree with that. But these other choices of like, it's on your phone, you don't have to hit play. Exactly. That's the difference. Well, yeah. Or giving like constant trigger warnings, like, hey, trigger warning, this might hurt your feelings. And it's like, we never got trigger warnings. No. Look at us, we turned out great. No. Yeah. (laughs) But you have to be aware. I think there's like an awareness, like a self-awareness. And this is the problem. Because I think there are people that won't, be aware. And it takes time, right? And there's times when I wasn't aware and then you realize it and then you go through it and you talk to people about it and you think through it. But like, to understand that, like, wow, every time I listen to Joe Rogan, I'm upset about something. Yeah. And it's coming out. I've always heard it. It's like water. Mm -hmm. It finds its way out. Right. So if that is your trigger, you might not know that's your trigger until later. That's why people, that's why they run or they work out because like, I feel better about things after I do this. Okay, so that's good to recognize Mm -hmm. that this is positive and this is a negative. Maybe stop doing that. Right. Going back, you mentioned food before and like the type of food that you want to eat. I think this is interesting because like, if I eat in the middle of the day Mm -hmm. and like yesterday, I don't do this a lot. We were in the office, there's a few of us here. I was like, I was starving. I need to eat something. You guys, I don't want to go anywhere. Doing some good works. Things are happening. I'm going to order a pizza. Order Jet's pizza. It's really good. It's thick. It's like that Detroit style pizza. Where is that? Yeah, I don't, it's in Matthews. Really? It's good. Yeah, there's all over the place. Because I've been trying to find some good pizza joints in Matthews. It's just, 
It's like Chicago style pizza, but mm. Detroit style pizza. So anyway, I was exhausted after I had this. Oh yeah. Like I was done. Yeah. Blood sugar, man. Yeah. So it's real. And it's interesting because most of the time I won't do that. There was a time when you would come to the office a lot and we'd go across the Inizia. I'd be done afterwards. Oh, and you wonder why you're so tired and you know why you're tired. But like if you have fruit and other foods or whatever, like, or don't eat too much, or, mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about like yeah. fats, fasting, good. right? In the mm -hmm. morning. Anyway, or you said fats, not fast. Yeah, but both, you know. That is an awareness to step back to say, I'm less productive Correct. if I eat these foods. I'm less productive if I listen to this podcast. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be the sports team that you root for. The yeah. Browns, and you mentioned this. Oh, before. yeah, man. That is an emotional roller coaster. The people get mad about that stuff. So I just get sad about, about it. No, I know. And a lot of times you can have fun <laughs> with it and it's great conversation, but there are situations when someone could be like, it could ruin their next day. Of course. So yeah. you have to be aware of that. Oh, is yeah. that investment? It's no different than the food and the, the whatever you're taking in, that content that you're taking in. Yeah. Because it's on the other side too. Every time I listen to this music, it gets me amped up. I'm ready to go. Definitely. Every time I calm Britney myself. Spears whatever man yeah christina aguilera right? oh, yeah. oh yeah much okay. better singer yeah but go. no no but you're right all that to say is that you look at me i just all that to say what you were saying you can well you keep simplifying what my stream of consciousness which is why this works it's really good i've got low self-esteem and i gotta overcompensate i like it yeah i, I like, like when people summarize what i just said yeah definitely because yeah. i don't have to do it because they're I, like what did you say i have no idea well i'm just yeah. trying to step in and <laughs> I you know, like this is I'm, I'm buying into the whole idea of safety is i need to protect you from Thank like you. streaming off you know, in some well, you have to protect the whole thing about like just went on some rant about politics and Fauci and COVID. So I'm like trying to go in different directions. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I'm going to keep you sucked in here. No. But I think this like we have the wrong conversation that's happening. Not you and me. We always have good conversations. But I think if I were to sum everything up, but first to tag on to what you were saying is those things of being self aware enough to say why is this upsetting me? I mean, what that is too, right? We're talking about a dominant narrative, but each of us have our own narratives. We all have our own stories. Oh yeah. And so we have to ask ourselves like, why is that my knee jerk reaction? Mm -hmm. I'm telling you like the greatest question to ever ask anytime is why? Yeah. It's like, well, why do I feel that way? Well, I feel that way because this, this, and this. Well, why? Okay, well, this, this, and this. Well, okay, why? You know, you just keep asking that question. You get mm -hmm. down to the root and realize, well, it's because I have this fundamental belief about this. And many times we start to, to realize like, when did I start believing that? Yeah. That's just silly. There's right. so many unconscious stories we tell ourselves that dictate and influence. They dictate our actions. They influence our actions. Yep. And if we can get a hold of that, man, that solves a myriad of problems. Well, and then you start, like you're, you dive into this stuff, right? Of course. Yeah. This is part of it. Yeah. This isn't me like repeating talking points. I mean, my profession is looking at this stuff. Yeah. No, I'm saying, but like, once you start asking those questions, I think it's natural to then want to consume content in that place. Read a book, listen to a podcast. I was just pulling up on my phone, Huberman Lab. It's a podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I great. Love that. Yeah. So when I was thinking about the eating, yeah. I found an episode that he talked about it. Yeah. And why it is. And I don't understand all the stuff that he's saying. I right, do yeah. know this is way more interesting than any science class I took back in high school or For middle sure. school. Yeah. And so he's I'm a like, Stanford professor. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like, yeah. this is like free education. And so I might, if he quizzed me or tested me on all the terms, I wouldn't pass yeah. that. But I now understand it a little bit more. Yeah. And I also hear like, what are you doing? Right. What is Huberman doing right. with his eating habits during the day? And maybe I don't have to go to that extreme because man, I'm pretty hungry and I need to eat something right now. And there are going to be days. And like he said, just like anybody else, like there's going to be days when you're just going to want to crush a pizza. Okay. It happens. Yeah. But you can also understand and like, I kind of like this, the test of that to say, okay, how did I do with that? 
I had to lie down because then I had to take my kids out and do something else that night. Mm-hmm. And I was like tired. So I was like, I want to have fun with them. So I closed my eyes for 10 minutes and that really helped me out, recharge it a little bit. But going back into understanding, being aware of it, and then what do you do with that? Right. Okay, I can go learn more about it. This is interesting to me. Yeah. That's where I think learning becomes like back in the day, it's like, well, learn, I want to learn. Now it's like constant because you're becoming aware of all these things and you want to continue to learn more about that. Well, and I think what you're to add to that is that you can summarize me again. It's no, okay. No, no, yeah. no. I'm going to, I'm going to add. Okay. And that is, is that uh, years ago, it was actually when I was in graduate school, you, know, you get into this weird field of strategic foresight and future studies and you're just like, oh man, this is bizarro land. Yeah. It's great because it is, yeah. it's very calculated. It is a process. It's a discipline. But that was the moment, this was back in 2010, where I realized, man, I don't have all the answers and I never will. And that is awesome. It's like a flipping your, you know, you're flipping a switch and you realize like, that's what it means to be a lifelong learner is fully accepting the fact that you don't have all the answers, you never will. And also seeing that as a major strategic advantage because it's those that get locked into narratives, stories, ideas, beliefs, and they just stick to them. Well, they're the ones that are at a disadvantage. They're the ones that are going to get caught off guard all the time. And when the environment continuously changes, this is how people get wrapped up in extreme ideologies is because an extreme ideology is not one that is open to interpretation. It's not one that is open to new ideas that help it to grow and evolve. An extreme ideology on the left or on the right, it has the same thing. It's like, there is a major problem. Something is wrong. This is right. And anybody who doesn't believe that this is right is on the wrong side of history, is on the wrong side of believing, is on, you know, whatever it might be. It's that stagnant thinking. It's that we believe these things here as though we have all the answers, right? Like there can't be room for interpretation. There can't be room for, you can't get into nuance. You just have to believe this, right? So you either believe that the election was totally stolen and rigged, or you believe that everything in society at its core is racist, right? Like you have these extreme ideologies where it's like, don't get into the nuance. Don't do that. Because then if you do, if you start to question those things, well, then you're wrong. Then you're the enemy. Then you're, you see that? That's the problem that we have. Well, then you can see the, the angst build up. Yeah. And that's tough. And that's the thing that's like, okay, that's probably taken away from your productivity, from your life, from staying in yeah. the moment, from being present, like whatever that, or thinking about the future, sure. whatever that might be. It just takes away from all of that. It's very easy to do that. Yeah. Like for extreme ideologies, the seeds of their own destruction, no matter where they are, are always baked in. Yeah. What extreme ideologies have actually survived the test of time? Name me one. I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. They pop up, they go down. They pop up, they go down. Why? Because they are unmovable and then they just self-implode. So, you know, all that being said is that realizing you don't have the answers, always staying open to new information, to questioning those things, right? Mm -hmm. That's how we move forward. And that's what needs to be encouraged. Yeah. Well, it's very different now because back in the day, like you did the one thing. Sure. So I think principles, your thesis, those can stay, but I think those even change. Like, of course, they evolve, they get better because yeah. you've learned and you just like, you couldn't change careers. That something's wrong with you. You're the crazy uncle if you change careers, right? Right. Or if you're doing all these different things and it didn't fit neatly in the box that everyone else wanted to put you in. Yeah. You got to do this. If you're in a lawyer, you're going to be a lawyer and you got to study law and you got to stay in law. It's like, right. well, not anymore. Right. Well, that was a belief like, hey, well, I can't change careers. And then also of an environment. Absolutely. That would have been reckless because you work here in this factory and then you get your pension. Right. That was the environment we lived in. It was the promise, right? Exactly, that was the promise. But that's not the case anymore. Right. 
So we're still grappling with these old ideas of like, hey, look, find a career, stick to it, go down that road. At the same time you're doing that, you're also like, yeah, but nothing is guaranteed. And then I have all these other options, but these options don't offer me that safety and security. Do you see the chaos that that creates in your mind? It's like, I should want security and safety. I should want a guarantee. Look, the only guarantee you're going to get is if you go to work for the federal government. And what I mean is like being in the military. I grew up in the army. My dad retired after 26 years. He's doing fine. He's got that pension. A lot of the guys I work with down at Fort Bragg, these guys are getting out after 20 years or so. They've got their disability. They've got their pension. I mean, they're good. They're going to be good. Healthcare, all that stuff that we have to worry about is taken care of. Show me a company today that has a consistent track record over the last 15 years of paying out pensions. Right. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I can find them. I think it's an interesting conversation to have about employees, about the work. Yeah. Because we've seen it so much to where people are leaving. Oh, yeah, yeah. They want to start their own business. They want to do their own thing. They want... For now, until they start their own business and go, oh, no. <laughs> I have a guarantee. There's no such thing as a guarantee. Correct. And I get it. Yeah. Until you've lived in that, mm-hmm. oh, wait, they were right. My dad would tell me that. Yeah. And I've said this many times, like, you're never fully in control. No, right? no, no. Like, yeah. To the point of what control means, I don't want to use the definition of control. You're not in control unless you're calling your own shots. Sure. Right? So when I show up to a job that I had for two years thinking I'm going to get promoted at some point and then security's there to escort me, which they've already fired everybody else on the Friday. I just happened to not be there that day because I was in Mexico and take me to my computer mm-hmm. and my desk and grab my personal belongings and not a lot on my computer to say, you don't have a job here anymore. Right. And you have six, three weeks of severance, whatever it is. Good luck to you. Yeah. And that was in 2002. Like this was like oh, trying yeah. times, right? You don't realize it until you live it, mm-hmm. that nothing's guaranteed. That's right. Because I had a guaranteed salary. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I've seen people come and go from here thinking that they had something or they interviewed mm-hmm. and they needed something more guaranteed. Right. And that's fine. And I'm okay with that. But it's like, what's the guarantee? If you don't do your job, you don't have a job anymore. There was a time when you could hide. So I think people hid and I think that was a product of the environment. If you just do enough, stay below the radar, you'll get your money and you can move. But eventually it plays itself out. Always does. Yeah. Well, and that's a lot of the jokes about, you know, getting a job in the federal government is like, you have to work really hard to get fired. Right. That's yeah. a, a common joke. And, you know, and I know plenty of people outside of the military that work in the federal government and they're outstanding individuals that will go over and above to do their job. The bad reputation a lot of them get is because like in anything, you're going to have your lazy shits that don't do anything. It's like, oh my God, it was the deal. And so that's where all the attention is going to go. But the idea there though, is that you go and do this job, keep your head down, and then you're going to be able to retire after 20, 30 years and you'll have a guaranteed income. And maybe your benefits are all covered and all that kind of stuff too. So it all goes down to incentives. And the world is just in a big state of flux right now because we're trying to apply 20th century principles or ideals, both in like strongly rooted narratives, beliefs about Mm -hmm what normal should look like, at the same time, balancing that with the reality that normal doesn't look like that anymore. And isn't that amazing? Like, so we have all these competing narratives in our own head of like, we live in the most exciting time in human history. But at the same time, it's like, a lot of us are still scared shitless, right? Let's like, oh, because how many people actually have retirement? The real hitting the jackpot is going to work for a company where they give you equity. That's the jackpot. And I'm not talking about a startup. I'm talking about one that's well beyond, you know, multiple series of funding. It's just, or in a big company that maybe it's a private equity company. Right. Because you could hear the stories about people who got equity early on at a startup and there's incredible stories. Yeah. But for all those stories, there's a lot more stories that weren't so incredible. Definitely. Or any company that decides to go public 
a handful of my clients, their companies that they work for are owned by private equity, which is, I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. But at the same time, though, is that if the intent is to go public, which most of them are, the intent is to go public, then everything is incentivized about getting that stock price up as high as possible. Right. Part of your compensation is going to be, you're going to get X amount of shares. And when this thing goes, it's probably going to be preferred stock. I'm not a financial guy, but these are the, you know, so there's this whole entire system baked in. It's like for a lot of people, especially at the executive level, that once that happens, man, they are set for life, you know, unless just everything disappears. I got an offer in Chicago some years ago. We were looking to move to Chicago. We were going to leave Charlotte. And it was a Yahoo company, Hot uh-huh. Jobs. And it was really oh, cool. It was yeah. right in downtown Chicago. Ooh, I nice. love the opportunity, cool building, the whole thing. And one of the cool things that they offered was stock options mm-hmm. for Yahoo. And I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is a legit company, right? They're the tech company. Google took them out. Like, oh yeah. It's not even close. And so those shares they went up a little bit and you couldn't invest in those shares for many years. And then I don't know, like, I don't know what's that, but it's not what it was. Right. No. And so there's also like these questions that are asked. So if you have a company, if you talk about retirement, what are you going to retire? Yeah. How many employees work for you? How much funding have you gotten? These are like automatic ingrained questions that people have to ask where it's like, I've seen it to where some of the best people that we've worked with have not been employees, have been freelancers. Of course. Outsource people. Yeah. Without question. The work is good. They've studied it. They believe in it. They value it. They're putting their name behind it. It's not always the case. Yeah. And I'm not saying every employee is bad and every... No, it's not that. Because for every good freelancer you find, you have to go through a lot to get to that. When you have someone and something like that you partner with and you have a relationship with them, and it's not that I'm above you Mm -hmm. mindset because you both have skin in the game. Right. And you're basically both business owners writing checks from the business account. I think there's something there. It doesn't mean that employees are bad. It's not what I'm saying. It's just that there's this expectation of what are you going to do for me as an employee? Now, so I feel for a lot of businesses that are in that labor market. Like if you're at a restaurant, you have to have, if you're in the hotel industry, you have to have employees. Who's going to clean the bedroom? Who's going to greet the customer when they walk in? Yeah. It's very troubling times for them. For so sure. it's like, okay, because you can't just go freelance it. Maybe there's a way to do it. I don't know, but that's a tough one. Yeah, it is. Well, I mean, what you're talking about is ownership. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't expect an employee to have the same sense of ownership over your company if they don't own it. You know, if they don't have any ownership stake in any of it, which is normal, right? I mean, why don't they care as much as I care? Well, they're not going to. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what it comes down to. You were alluding to this earlier. And it's that what you realize when you're running your own business or if you're a freelancer is that when you were talking about being in control, I think the other way to look at that too is that the good and bad side is there's nobody for you to blame if things go wrong. It's all on you. You have to own it. You know, I've never worked for anybody in my entire career. And so it's that I've never been paid to get out of bed. That's just the way I'm hardwired. I think most people should get a regular job. And I say that only because it is one of those things that you have to be very self-aware, very okay with things moving up and down and also realizing that, look, there's no excuses. There's none. There's things that are outside of my control, but I'm familiar enough with that now to where I can accept that doesn't mean it doesn't frustrate me. But at the same time, if things go well, it's my fault. If things go bad, it's my fault. And that's the biggest thing that has also been lost just in general with people. Like we've also been incentivizing an atmosphere to blame everything on everybody else. It's sad because that's, that's cowardly. Like we need a, a shift in a greater sense of ownership, not just in your work, 
but a greater sense of ownership about, hey, look, you know, this is my choice. And, you know, I messed this up. I'm going to own that. And I'm telling you, like, we have this distorted idea that everything needs to be perfect, right? This goes back to what we're talking about, like with public health officials. And it's like, look, you might say, well, Fauci did what he thought was better. Fuck that, man. No, uh-uh. Nobody expects him to get it right every single time. But to lead with that premise is though, well, look, we don't have it right, but you guys aren't strong enough to handle the truth. Well, that's a problem. I have yet to meet anybody who just owned up to like, hey, you know what? That was on me. I made a mistake. I'm going to do whatever it needs to get. Like that creates a deep sense of trust. Like if he were to have come out and say, you know what? I shouldn't have said this. I'm sorry. Here's why I did it. That's no excuse. But here's what we're dealing with right now. That probably would have made more people trust him even after the fact. But no, 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 no. Don't show any weakness. Don't admit to doing anything wrong. Yeah. This is a problem that we have just in general that I think needs to be addressed. Yeah. I also think though, on the other side of that, there are a lot of people taking it into their own hands and doing good work. Of course, yeah. There's yeah. more creation right now than we've maybe ever seen. Absolutely, that's the truth. And I think that it's hard because you put these statements on these people, on these people and everybody, and it does exist for a lot. But there's a lot happening that, like you can freelance with people, you can outsource it, you can find amazing people. You're like, this is amazing. I don't have to hire this person. They could work with us and they're creating amazing things and we can work together and better good. I mean, we talked about this last time, like there's kids going, creating YouTube channels and they're doing really well with it. People get mad at that, I suppose too, but like there's always going to be that hater mindset. Yeah. I just think there's a lot of good happening as well, which is flipping on what we said earlier because I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I could trust the people to not run to the store and buy all the masks or get on Amazon and buy all, can't find this stuff. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, and that's the risk you always have to take. But it's to your point, too, of it's not perfect. You don't no. have all the answers, but we get to exactly. keep moving forward and have the conversation about it. That's why I like this. Right. We can have the conversation. We can put our phones away and we can dive in deep to some sort of discussion about all of this stuff. For sure. And I think that's interesting. And I like hearing other people have those conversations. And then what comes from it? I don't know. It's just dialogue, right? It, it didn't have to lead to something. No. That's why I have a hard time with like in business. It's like, okay, if we're going to have a conversation at the end of this conversation, something has to happen. The transaction has to take place. Why? It doesn't because you don't know all the benefits that come from that. Yeah. Like there could be just a benefit of you and I talking and having this style of conversation and getting better and better at it and making me think about it and maybe go read something about this that I hadn't read before. Yeah. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I get it. Some people, it's a waste of time. Then don't do it. Yeah, Just like listen to that episode, made you matter. You don't like it or you don't agree with it. Then don't listen to it. It's totally cool. Seriously. Oh, I think it was Ricky Gervais. He did this on one of his stand-ups. He was talking about cancel culture yeah. you know, before it became everybody was talking about right. it. This was back in 2016 or 17, maybe. And he did this funny, I think it was him. I could be wrong on this. But the whole joke was that, you know, he said the way it is like today, like on Twitter, is that somebody will post something like, hey, you know, guitar lessons. You know, he's like, I've got guitar lessons, you know, contact me here if you want them. And then all these other people are like, oh, you know, it's like, you're an idiot. I don't want guitar lessons, blah, 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 you know. He said, it'd be like in the old days going to the town square. Somebody puts up a, a flyer, says, hey, guitar lessons, you know, if you're interested in playing guitar. And some dude comes up, grabs it, picks up the phone, calls the numbers like, I don't want guitar lessons. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. that's exactly what it is. It's just, hey, turn it off. It's not for you. Yeah. Then turn it off. Don't right. listen to it, right? right? So I think this is also important yeah. is that it'd be so easy for us just to contribute to this overarching idea that everything has gone to shit or that nobody can be trusted or that the public health officials are wrong and the, and the dominant narrative is this and is that. We also have to realize is that there's two different worlds going on here. There's the real world, 
right? And then there's the media sphere. And that media sphere is incentivized to keep you locked in and outraged about sure. whatever. Of course. All that being said is that it's also trying to portray a picture of what reality is that isn't. So what we see being highlighted, all the negative, all the idiocy, all this other kind of stuff, that's not real life. And we have to remember that that they are finding the minority of things in society that will get people pissed off because they are financially incentivized to keep your attention and make you mad. It's about engagement. That's the algorithm too, right? Like a happy picture of like, hey, Jared and Eric were creating something fun and it was really great and life is good. Or if we say, you know, Jared and Eric were creating something and then we throw in some scandals like, and, you know, and Eric was like, fuck this and blah, 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 you know, and like, I hate working with Jared and this is not good. Like that's the thing that's going to drive engagement. Yeah. Well, you know why though too? Because they have competition now. They didn't used to have competition. Used to be three stations or whatever the number was. You go here, Mr. Beast, I just pulled up one of his last videos from two weeks ago. 51 million views. And I get it. Mr. Beast. Who's that? Who's Mr. Beast? I don't know who Mr. Beast is. I'm showing you a picture of him right now. So you should know who he is Uh, if you're after this one. So he just creates videos. And he's actually from North Carolina. He's from down the road. Nice. So he creates all these interesting, fun, gives tons of money away. Yeah. He has 51 million people, 55 million, 45 million views. Tell me the last TV show that got anything close to that. Yeah. It doesn't happen anymore. No. Back in the day when MASH was the only show or Seinfeld or some mm. of those things, like they got huge numbers. The numbers that they get today are much smaller. Yeah. So you have to create something that stands out. You go to Netflix, like you have a choice of what to watch. Yeah. And that's not just Netflix anymore. They're having issues, right? Because you can go to HBO Max oh, and you no. can go to... Amazon Prime, right? So it's like, there's so much out there. Mm-hmm. So if the news is going to make a stand, it has to be outrageous. Right. It has well, to be. Because then not, how many people watched the news last night? Well, you got to think too, right? I mean, they still have to make money. So then you look at this new world. Right. So like we were talking about earlier, what we as individuals are having to balance out in our heads. Yep. Of like, hey, this is what safety and security should look like. And I should have a job that gives me a pension. But I also know that that's crazy because this is 2022. And that hasn't been a reality since 2001. You know, it's all those types of these different narratives that are all slamming together. And we're trying to make them all make sense. Well, the same can be said with legacy media, right? Yeah. Is that the old model was, hey, look, you had this many channels. And people were going to go and watch this show. And so you knew you could have predictive revenue models, say, because this is how this works. But they're also trying to hold on to the past while moving into the future. Absolutely. And to the present, really. And so they are fighting and dying. Well, look at this. this is, and I'll just go to, this is the New York Post writing about CNN, which at first mm-hmm. of all is funny because the New York Post, like, look at all these advertisements oh, out here. Totally. I mean, it's a total disaster. Yeah. But then they're writing about, so they're part of the same thing, right? So they're all full of it, right? All of them are, yeah. CNN averaged 548,000 viewers the week of January 3rd. And this article is from early 22. Yeah. Okay. The same time last year, they had 2.7 million. Yeah. That's a 90% drop. Yeah. Well, right. Because the election and all that stuff and pandemic and whatever. Oh, well, Trump was the biggest moneymaker right. for CNN and MSNBC and then Fox as well. But all they're them. all calling it out, right? It's just, yeah. this is hilarious that the New York Post looks like this with all their ads yeah. and they're showing these numbers. And that's just, you know, Fox News is the same thing. It doesn't oh, matter whatever side you're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 548,000 viewers. And what was the number I just told you on Mr. Beast? 51 million? Right. It's not even a fair fight. And it used to be Mr. Beast had to go to CNN or NBC to get featured and to get on a show. And I had somebody send me a pitch the other day, be like, hey, you know, we can help you get featured in major articles, you know, in major news publications. Sure. And my first reaction was like, who fucking cares? Right. I was like, right. 
Like they're all dying. We talked about this last time, getting guests on podcasts. Right. I just pulled someone up and they said, you should have this person on your podcast. And I looked at it and it's like, all of those things were listed out that you talked about, featured on this and featured on that and written this. And, and you look at it and you're like, then you go to their LinkedIn and you go to their social, and there's like no engagement and there's yeah. nothing interesting. And I'm like, I don't get it. Yeah. But you want free marketing. Mm-hmm. But you've paid a PR person to get you featured on those things. And I'm not saying that those things are bad necessarily. No, no. But like, what does that prove? Well, that's the blending of that old school mentality with the new school right. reality. Oh, you like that? That just came out and rhymed. You just like that. Yeah. yeah. I think we should drop a really fat, awesome beat for what I just said. Just loop it. Yeah. That that's right there. Old school reality. No, old school mentality to a new school reality. Mm. No, no. See, no. now I just, I've iterated. I was looking at something, so I wasn't necessarily paying it. No, I was paying attention. No, I yeah. got you. I yeah. got you. That was good. Anyway, sorry. Now I'm just completely enamored with this great rhyme that I just came up with. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. I can already hear the beats in my head. Yeah, it's great. So with rhyming... No, no, don't build I on it. I just saw a video. No, 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 no. I'm going to build on it. Because you have to. Because it just made me think of a TikTok video I saw. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Dr. Dre. And they're asking, because he just performed at this when we're recording this. It wasn't that. It was, I don't know, it was last weekend, maybe. And he was saying, what do you think of rap musicians today? And he doesn't like them. He said, they're churning out too much content. For sure. Yeah. What do you think? Do you agree with that? I mean, that's uh, coming well, from a different... Is that get off my lawn mindset? You know, because it's like, if you don't have enough content, then you might be forgotten about. Well, look, we do have to be honest, right? Older generation, that includes us. Mm-hmm. We're always going to have something to say about the younger generation, the way they're doing things, just like they did with us. That's point number one. Yep. I mean, if the issue is that people are just putting out content willy-nilly and they're not taking the time to think about it or to really do it in a meaningful way, I think that's open for debate. I think there's definitely some artists that are doing that. But I also think you have to look at the technology that's changed. I mean, when I think back to the like early to mid-1990s hip-hop out of New York, which I absolutely love, it's brilliant music, you know? Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. There is a whole list of them we could go down on. Listening to that, those guys had to work extra hard. Like the equipment that they had meant that they had to be much more hands-on. It was much more of an analog experience where they were having to physically move things around to get things to loop on top of each other. I mean, there's right. this great documentary series called Hip Hop Evolution. On Netflix, I encourage anybody to go watch it because it's mm. absolutely fascinating. That's cool. But you really get into the roots and, and understanding how they built and designed these things and why they did it. So I could see from that point of view, because Dr. Dre is, he's one of the greatest producers of all time. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. I was never a fan of, of like the West Coast style music, but I have to respect what he did, mm-hmm. how he produced. And then also from a business side, like the guys created an empire. So you have to look at all that and then look at his statement through that lens is where I can jump on to logic or anything and create a beat like that without mm-hmm. having to, you know, do anything more than push a couple keys on my keyboard. Right. Well, now all of a sudden it looks like, well, does that mean that the music is devalued? Right. Because I didn't have to work as hard to produce it. No, that's well said. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. I, so I think we always have to take that into account is that yeah. if the tools were the same as what he was using before, yeah. people wouldn't be putting music out as fast there. Right. But they're able to put it out faster because the tools and technology are there to do it. Well, I mean, you could look at podcasting. I mean, you talk to people that were in it early on, like mm-hmm. 2010, 11, 12, whatever that is. That took a lot to do that. Now I said, you could actually create a podcast and publish it with like, you go live with the podcast if you want. Totally. Why aren't we on Facebook? I don't right know. Now? I don't know. Because Metal two- Live. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. It, maybe it's not. But that's where it gets into. There's so much content. Exactly. That's it's the like, problem. 
where do you even go? Like there's now Netflix has that thing. It's been out for a while. It's like, just choose for me. I'm too tired to even figure out what to watch. How many times have people gone on there? Let's watch something tonight. And then by the end of it, all you've watched is previews or you've scrolled through the list and you're like, let's go to bed. Yeah. Well, why was Chipotle so successful early on and still today? I don't know. Because they had limited choice on their menu. Mm. Yeah. I didn't have to burn calories to make a decision. I had a bad experience there recently. Can't tell you that. We'll come back around. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Limited choices. Yeah. Well, that was McDonald's, right? At the beginning, they sure. didn't have all these extra things. It was like the burgers and fries and shake and soda. Yeah. That's yeah. really easy. Yeah. But yeah. The more stuff you keep adding in there, we think, ooh, this is going to be great. Cheesecake Factory. Oh, oh my God. Jeez. Have you been there ever? I have. I mean, yeah. it's been years. It's pretty bad. But it's like, you can't get through the menu. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's so much. But that's a lot of restaurants. But they have a huge marketing company. And for whatever reason, to their credit, place you can never get in there if you want not that i want to go no well the food's good i mean let's be honest like yeah. it's not like you're eating at a five-star restaurant but if you're talking about chain you restaurants like salt, you know yeah but yeah and i get it because the cheesecake and it's the big yeah. rooms and the ambiance and whatever else but chipotle no first the of chipotle. all how is applebee's still around i mean god they're killing it that's crazy yeah because of the song no there's no way yes there is why am i not remembering it Sorry, I figured it out. I haven't heard you, that. Oh my God. Well, like, I don't watch legacy media channels, man. It's You don't have to. It's, so you're telling me that you it's on... You just get on TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, t- none yeah. of those things. See, I'm actually not on any of those. I mean, I'm not on okay. Twitter, but I'm not on there. So if you see a commercial for Applebee's, it's his song playing, but it wasn't his song because he just mentions Applebee's mm. in it. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Got it. So they have a whole dance to it. So the dance has gone viral. So it's him and his family. Uh-huh. So he's got a really cool story. And I don't know the story. I don't give a shit. No, I was kidding. I probably do give a shit. But yeah, I just thought that'd be funny to say. Like, didn't have money, homeless, all thing. And then he's made that a big cool. country music singer. And oh, nice. Like country music. So. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Chipotle. Okay. Chipotle. So my Let's... son worked at Chipotle. Chipotle is known as this incredible company. And they yeah. do really well. And I think this goes back to the labor market. Sure. There's a labor shortage. My son hadn't had any experience. Which Chipotle did he work at? He was at the one on Sardis and Providence Road. Sardis and Providence Road. Just go straight down Providence Road mm-hmm. towards uptown and you'll hit it. Anyway, it yeah. doesn't really matter. It's okay. It doesn't matter anymore. So he hadn't had much experience, no experience working, gets a job anyway, but he had to leave and he had other things happening. So I go there the other day because I had to pick up order. So this is twofold, partly my fault. There you go. Take ownership. I am going to take ownership. And I didn't realize it at first. Yeah. So I walk in there yeah. and there's someone waiting for their food. Yeah. Another young man waiting for his food. He already looks upset. Okay. So I was like, oh, this should be interesting. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for my food. And he finally walks up to the counter. He's like, do you have a food for whatever his name was, Aaron? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. And they look and they find it. And he looks at me and he just cusses. Like, why did I have to ask someone to find my, clearly I'm here for the food and no one's even acknowledging my existence right now. Right. And so he eventually gets his food and he's pissed and he leaves. And I don't know if he enjoyed his meal or not, but he was not a happy guy. Yeah, Yeah, yes, he was not happy at all. So I'm like, it's fine. I'm here. I probably got here a couple minutes early. I'll wait. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. No one once acknowledges that I'm there. I finally walk up and I'm like, sorry, ma'am. I know you have a break real quick, but uh, not a break, but she was like in between customers. I was like, do you have an order for Eric back there? And she's like, I have no idea. Okay. Like she didn't even look at me and acknowledge me. Oh, finally. Someone goes back there and looks and they're like, we don't have an order for Eric. So it's an online order? No, I ordered it online. I ordered it to the wrong address. But the point still remains, my order could have been back there. It could have been. But she just said, I have no idea. and could right. care less that I had ordered food from there. Yeah. And that's told this person that came out. I was like, I'm so sorry. I ordered it to the Fairview address and that's my mistake. 
But it didn't change the fact that they were like so miserable back there. At the same time, they're being treated horribly by the customers. I was okay. The guy before was mad because he needed his food. The people coming in line, people aren't happy in a lot of places. And this maybe goes back to the thing. And I don't know if that's a good story or bad story. I just bored everybody to tears. I don't know what to make of it. We can take it in a lot of different directions, but... Don't worry, I'm going to summarize it. Thank you. But like the labor market's tough. So I don't blame her for being ornery with customers because it's like two o'clock. She's probably dealt with so many and she's just fed up with it. And they don't have enough people there. She's not getting... Like my son would even say, like, I didn't get a break. So as good as Chipotle is, he didn't get breaks through the day. And not to say he needed a ton of breaks, but he's standing on his feet, handling people. People are so upset. They don't know how to use the credit card machine. It's constant. And he's trying to be nice to everybody. Yeah. That's the way his, his demeanor is. But it's like, it's portrayed as this is the greatest place ever. Well, I just was there and I ran into about six miserable, not six, that's a high number. Maybe it was three people that just didn't seem so happy. Right. On both sides of the table. And I understand it to a degree, but it's like, is it the greatest place right now? Like, but is it their fault? Because it's like, they can't get people to work. Well, I mean, you know, sure. There could be a lot of things. My first thought on that too, is that uh, some of the best advice I ever got, and I give this to a lot of folks that I work with is this, is that you have to dramatically, dramatically lower your expectations to people. Yeah. And I don't mean that in a negative way, like because people suck. That's the title of this show, I think, by the way. Like, man, you just don't like people, but go ahead. I love people. (laughs) I know know, I actually do. That's why I say, give them the benefit of the doubt. I would double down on people all day long. And I will say that, and I will vouch for you because I've seen you walk into an office full of people and you've talked to all of them and had fun and had everybody smiling in here. So I think someone could listen and be like, man, this Jared guy's a real Debbie Downer. Like, no, he's actually the opposite of that. He's actually a lot of fun to be around. At times, for those other people, I'm not, not saying myself, you. right? Right. For other yeah, people. yeah. Yeah. So I just I think that context helps because that that happened with Joe Rogan, like David Goggins. Oh yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. He, oh yeah. I know who David Goggins is. He comes out because there's a whole racism thing come out. Oh gee, yeah. And Joe Rogan was dumb for it, and he he was wrong. And you right. don't say what he said. Sure. David Goggins came out in support and said this is more than what he said. Many ep- no one cared about this a few years ago, but all of a sudden the politics start getting into uh-huh. it. That's when people got upset. So right. David Goggins called it out. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I would just go to his Instagram page. You'll find the post somewhere. Read his post. It's yeah. worth reading. I don't want to go back into that thing. But anyway, back to Chipotle, labor, you know, people being unhappy and just how don't no keep one's talking good. about how I make yeah. everybody in the office happy. No, but you That's... do. You came in and you would have people smiling and laughing. And I think there's something to that because <laughs> sure. there are people that are angry at all the stuff that's going on in the world. Right. And they're just angry on a daily basis. That's not who you are. No, no, no. Uh, no, You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for thanking me. Yeah. I love people. For me, like with all the stuff that's going on in the world, it doesn't make me angry. It makes me sad. But I also recognize too that it would be easy for me to be like, whoa, why can't people just see the same stuff that I'm seeing? This goes back to my point is dramatically lowering your expectations of other people. It allows you to be much more graceful in the way that you interact with them. You know, you're talking about coming into the office and seeing everybody. I mean, that's it's because I, I genuinely love people. And to me, it's what's the best thing that you can do. It's something that we pass over, in a, especially in the past couple of years. But it's just a smile can change somebody's entire day. You know, you being kind, like, hey, look, I know you, you got a lot going on. Whether that person responds to you, you know, in the same way. I had, I'll tell you a story that kind of proves this point is that maybe about a year ago, I'm pulling in, this is at uh, PetSmart over in Ballantyne. And I'm pulling into the parking lot and another car is like, she's trying to pull out and I'm trying to pull in, you know, it's just kind of one of those things. And 
So I think she's like stopping and I continue to go and she pulls out and we're kind of in this like stop, go, stop, go. And she yells, she goes, you saw that I was trying to pull out, but you kept on going. Like, and this girl's probably like in college. And I was just looking at her like, she had her fucking mind. <laughs> I was like, I could be a complete and total psycho. Like she yeah. was going, she was living. So I pull in that park, you know, and she was parking too. Cause I thought she was trying to leave, but actually she was just trying to straighten out. And as soon as I got out of the car, like she was standing there and she was like, I'm so sorry. She was like, I've just had a terrible day. I don't know why. And what I did is I, I put my arm around her. I said, hey, it's all good. I said, I get it. And she was just like, oh, you know, and that was it. You probably should have put your arm around her. But anyway, go ahead. But see, that's the <laughs> no. thing. You would believe that if we just listened to Twitter all day long. And I'm like, you know what? She appreciated it. I she was like, she thank you so much. You know, and but I'm just picturing someone listening being like, saying that. But anyway, if somebody could say it, but here's what I'd say is this. that's cool that she said that. Of course, that she took ownership to me. And I was like, you know what? That's I an awareness that she it has is. though. People make mistakes. Like you said, it's 100%. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Cause I wasn't intentionally trying to be a, like getting her way. I just misinterpreted what yeah. she was doing yeah. and she took it like I was being a Yeah. Dick. You're not an aggressive driver. I've been in the car with you. So well, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not aggressive. I had someone I'm, do the same thing to me, except they didn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that was with my daughter and we just came from oh, an don't, appointment. Yeah, yeah. And she, and this woman like clearly saw me pulling out of my spot and she just like, she just wanted Gunned to cut it. us off. Yeah. yeah it's like, you know, some people are going to be but like that's, that. Exactly. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, well, we could get upset about that, but I heard this is such a great line. That's don't be average. Don't be that. Don't like, be basic. Don't no. be basic. You're basic. Right. But, and I don't feel it was like average or what it is. It's amateur. That's yeah, what it was. It is. Yeah. That's an amateur to get upset at that. So you have to sometimes like pull yourself back because it's chaos out there. Well, people cutting people off left and right. Absolutely. Now think about this. So it goes back to Chipotle, goes back to the scale. Thank you. That's what we were talking about. I just bring a full circle, man. Okay. I've got a real skill for that. <laughs> but, you know, you think about, it's so easy to say, well, the, you know, the work environment is terrible and that's why people are so upset. I'm like, well, there could be some facts that can be true from different places, different companies, different organizations. So, but the other thing you always have to take into consideration is what we we're talking about earlier is that the media environment, and that's again, not just legacy media, it's podcasts, it's Twitter, it's social media, all that stuff is all incentivized to create outrage and anger to divide and conquer because that's how you can now be more targeted in your advertising and everything else. It's a, so you also have to throw that on top of it. I mean, who knows what that person's dealing with? They got their personal life, they got their work life. And then it's like, we're trying to what? Manage all the chaos going on in the media sphere, right? Like, oh, what's going on? Oh, I can't believe that Trump said this. Oh my God, I can't believe that Fauci did this. You know, I mean, that's just going to make people insane. It already has. And so when you think about people getting angry, right? Or just flying off the handle, it's because we're living in an environment right now of like, what is there for us if we just take everything at face value to be really excited about, you know, because the, everything that we're being told is like, you should be angry about this. You should be mad about this. This is an existential threat here. This is an existential threat there. Like this, oh, 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 you know, it's like everybody should panic. And the reality is like, no, you shouldn't. You should just turn your fucking phone off, mm -hmm. turn the TV off and go have a conversation, mm -hmm. right? Go out and talk to actual people. Right. Or read or listen to something that gives you more optimism, Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so easy to get sucked into those things, you know, like like the whole mask thing, right? It's like, look, oh, sorry. Because <laughs> you went full circle and then you went double, it's like a two circles. Yeah. Because you went full circle around. to Chipotle and you still haven't come back to that and somehow you brought masks well, back no, into back it. To like, yeah, yeah, for that gal there. I was thinking of like the future. Yeah. Right? Matt Ridley, the rational optimist, or you get into some of these other things to where things are looking good. Like, of course. World hunger has gone down. You go to this grocery store and it's just like, it's crazy what they have there. Like I've talked to us before, like I have three people in my family have celiac. 
So finding gluten-free foods, like packaged foods, right, is not the easiest thing to do. No, no. Where they were two years ago to where they are today, it's unreal the progress that's been made on that. Definitely. So you can find it all over the place. Yeah. But you know what? Like that story right there is not going to drive engagement. It's not going to create outrage. I so, get that. But I, yeah, but that's not the point. But it is because that's the real world. Right. That's not the bullshit on your phone. Right. That's the real world. And it's so easy to be distracted because human beings, we have a negativity bias. Right. And that's been something that's helped us survive for thousands and thousands of right. years. Yeah. The good stories don't sell. I mean, it's obvious. Well, yeah. But it's also like, hey, you know, if I need to understand whether or not this person over here has ill intent, my first reaction to meeting somebody new is going to be suspect if they're mm -hmm. not part of my tribe. And the tribe, it goes like politics is the obvious one. I talk about sports. Yeah. It's super easy to trigger a fan base. It's super easy to trigger a fan base. And Browns fans will get mad because the Cowboys are talked about endlessly. And what have the Cowboys done? I don't know. They've Most done Brown fans that I know, including myself, have low self-esteem. We, like, we're not delusional. We're just like, the Browns fucking, this is the Browns. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but I still love them. But you can trigger it and you can trigger the Browns because they have a great fan base. Yeah. So the Browns are going to lose and they're going to lose big today. People are like, oh my God, oh, I can't yeah. believe they did that. That's yeah. triggering the fan base. Ohio State's the same one. Mm -hmm. Why does the media want to pick on these stories for them? Well, it's obvious. Yeah. Because they have a huge fan base. Of course. And if we trigger them, we get a lot of clicks. And so all those advertisements I show you in the New York Post or Pick One, Forbes, or Sporting News, they get to sell more of that crap. And when you go there, you have this horrible experience, but nobody cares because their ad was placed and they got 10,000 hits within the first 10 minutes and you make money. Okay, I get it. Like, that's what they have to do. I mean, it's just, it's awful. That's the incentive. But that's all we're watching now. So when you go watch the Super Bowl or pregame or any game, they're just trigger here, trigger there. And that's not all the time, but mm -hmm. it's most of it. Yeah. And they're not even given trigger warnings. Maybe we should. But you know what you do? Stop watching it. Oh my God, what a novel idea. Mm -hmm. What a novel idea. Just turn it down. Yeah. We haven't even gotten to how shitty the Super Bowl commercials were. I've got some thoughts on that too. They yeah. were horrible. The best one was the one before halftime, which was the NFL's commercial where the players came out of the video yeah. game. I thought that was The cool. sad thing was that that was the best one. I think it was okay. I thought that was good. That was clever. I liked it. I had fun watching it. Well, good for you. Yeah. You know what? I don't judge you for that. I've dramatically lowered my expectations of you in some ways. Yeah, most of them. I'm trying to think. It's like, it doesn't matter. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, well, here, let's say... Chipotle. Yeah. Chipotle dramatically lowering expectations of other people. All that comes down to is that it gives you the space to understand that not everything's about you. Like when you have high expectations of other people, like if I expect Eric to do this, this, and this, really what I'm saying is like, I expect Eric to bend to my world. I expect Eric to do all these things. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't have expectations of people you rely on sure. for you know, mutually beneficial gains, right? Like, hey, if you're raising a family or if you're running a business, there are expectations. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like in your day-to-day, -day. like if somebody doesn't get back to me that I've been in touch with, my first response used to be, geez, what's their problem? Like, what did I do? Mm. I made it all about me, right? It's because I had high expectations. Like, oh, well, look, they said they were going to do this. Now, I do expect, hey, if you say you're going to do this and you don't do it, well, my first response is like, well, maybe something came up. My old response was, well, that person's unreliable. Mm. And until they can prove me otherwise, which I do think that if somebody comes back and says, hey, I told you I'd do this and I didn't, my bad. Like, again, that's that ownership side of things. But when you think about this lady at Chipotle, you think about other folks that are out there, we have no idea what's going on in their world. Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, if I keep my expectations low of people, it's not a negative view, it's positive. It actually frees space up for me to just let them be them. Yeah. And then I'm pleasantly surprised, you know? 
it's the most freeing thing that's happened. Yeah. And I want to go back on that experience that I had. It was interesting because of all I'd been told about Chipotle in mm-hmm. the work environment. Sure. And not to say that that ruined my, I had a good laugh at my own expense. For sure. I told my son and he's like, thank you for sharing that story. That made my day yeah. that you ordered and went to the wrong Chipotle. Yep. You're an idiot. Yeah. You're welcome. I hope your day's better now because of my mistake. But it's like, you are told all these different things. And I agree with that because you can take these experiences and think about them a little bit more. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, we've gotten into such a reactive state. I mean, that's again, a lot of this just, it's the environment that's around us. But the good news and all that is that we have the ability to just shut it off. Nobody is forcing us to be on our phones. Nobody's forcing us to watch anything. You have to also be aware enough to say, I'm making a conscious choice to engage in this. Yeah, well, they're not forcing us, but there's science behind the fact that they know how to drive you to oh, pick for sure. up your phone. No, no, no. Right? It definitely has an addictive quality. That's an awareness yeah. to know that that is happening. There's a reason like Snapchat, for example, streaks was a big deal for my kids a little, like a couple years ago. What's a streak? Well, so I would send you a snap and you would send me a snap back. That's one. You do it the next day, it's two, then three, then four. And then it on goes from there. Next thing you know, these kids have streaks of 316 and it just goes on and on and you can't miss a streak. So what do you think Snap's doing? Daily user engagement. That's right. So if you show up and you show up, that's two more. And then you multiply that times millions. How many people are showing up every day? That's how they built their whole platform because everyone, and then if while you show up, you check out an advertisement, you see someone else, you make a new streak started. So now you got 12 streaks going. Hey, hats off to them, man. That's They smart. would get in the car yeah. after practice and they would have to go through their streaks. What are you doing? I'm picking up my streak. And it, to them, it was a game. It was communication. I'm thinking back if we were kids and we had an opportunity to do streaks with our oh, friends and have communication when we weren't with them. Because if not, like, what would you do? You'd have to wait. And hopefully no one was on the other line in your house mm-hmm. because then you couldn't talk to your friends. Yeah. Oh, I missed your call. So we never got together because you didn't answer the phone. Yeah. You remember those days when you just told like, you know, when parents just said, hey, you need to be home at this time. Mm. It's like, okay. And if you weren't, it's like, you're going to face the wrath, <laughs> right? Yeah. Instead of like, oh, where are you at? You know? Yeah, it's very different. You can track them. No. Oh, I've implanted my kids. I've, okay. They got little chips in their arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to tell you about the, yeah. the mark of the beast. But that's how they get people to show back up and to just stay engaged constantly. So it's just, how do you deal with that? And that's an internal thing that everyone has to deal with. So this all ties together. And I kind of throw that out there because just in case it doesn't, I'm going to make you believe that it does. <laughs> is the idea of like, you know, that chipping your kids and you can track them and all this other kind of stuff. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier is that we've also lived in this environment that is fabricated, which means that, oh gosh, it's so unsafe out there. Well, you said that last time. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Right? yeah. I'm, just, I'm not calling you out. I'm saying like, it's a belief. It's a rallying cry of yours. It is. It definitely is. It's like, yeah, kids are safer now than they ever have been. That's backed up by data. But if you believe like, oh my God, I've got to get my kid a cell phone. Like Apple wants me to buy my child an iPhone. No fucking way. Mm-hmm. My kids, you know, he's like, dad, if I'm the only kid who doesn't have an iPhone, I'm like, then you're the only kid who doesn't have an iPhone. Mm-hmm. Not happening, bro. It's interesting. Yeah. No, because why? Flip phone? Oh, I give him a flip phone. Okay. Yeah. So he has to like go People through three. Yeah. 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 yes yeah, three letters. You got to work your way through You them. appreciate you the do. iPhone when you get that. And I can see that. Yeah. Well, he can get an iPhone when he gets older. That's fine. If he wants to do that. I yeah. mean, but honestly, like it, this has limited value. Most of it's for entertainment and for other people's agendas. Unless they're producing something on there or other things or learning or reading or watching videos that make sense. I mean, so that is the difference, right? Yeah. I do look at that with it's my kids. It's not all bad. No, it's not all bad. I'm not somebody's like, real negative. Maybe it's the COVID talking. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. I think you're just hearing things negative because you got brain fog. 
And I've got a little bit of a rasp in my voice. Yeah. Do like this year. <laughs> but I do think that we have to look at these things, right? So technology is, is great. And I do this with my boys is that they have iPads. They like to make stop motion. So I do see a difference between screen time, for instance, of playing a game, like where they're just sitting there or watching something, sure. as opposed to creating. So it's like, look, I, that's what I use technology for is to create and to consume, of course. But I want to encourage them to utilize these tools to become the creators, the ones who are like, hey, I'm developing and designing something, not just like, oh, I'm just going to sit here and be sucked into every which way. You learn so much when you do that. And that was a big reason why I started creating it because I saw, don't be on the consumption side, get on the production side of it a little bit. And then there's so much that you can gain from it. And then when you start consuming, you're consuming in a different way. I can listen to these Joe Rogan podcast, Tim Ferriss, whoever that, or someone else, your podcast. You should listen to my podcast. Yeah. <laughs> right, I should. <laughs> and learn things from just the questions that are being asked, the style, the demeanor, where it's like, that's not even what they were talking about. And that's okay. It's just the way something else was happening. So you become a different type of consumer. My dad's writing a book. So when he tells me these things where he watches movies because he was learning about this or reads a book, he watches them with a different perspective of, see how they did that. I see why they did that. I see at the very beginning of the movie that that guy got shot square in the forehead right off the bat because it was the hook, right? That's a very basic example. But it's like, you start to see how these stories come to be and you watch it with a different lens maybe, right? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If you can appreciate, and my kids have that appreciation too. Like they'll watch, my son, my oldest especially, he loves like watching old movies like Godzilla. Godzilla was great when I was a kid, but he really will get into it and he'll look at everything based on dates. Like, oh, this is from 1965. It's like, oh, did you hear that? Did you see this? And he, was, he would rewind something. He'd say, listen, he said, you can hear another. So he was thinking about like another studio lot. You can hear the music in the background in this one thing because he was hearing this music fade out. He goes, dad, dad, do you hear that? He's like, they didn't turn it off from another studio lot. Oh, that's this cool. and that. yeah. Now, I don't think he was right on that, but that was what he jumped to. It's okay. Yeah, because he was listening. He sees all that stuff. And so he sees how it's all pieced together. You know, my youngest loves to make films and he appreciates the nuance of this needs to be here and this needs to move here. Like they'll make stop motions. So to me, I don't want to discourage that. I want to encourage that. But sometimes you do need to, in saying yeah, all consume. that, consume stuff, watch it. Yeah, get inspired or you just want to do nothing. I mean, yeah, there's no absolutes on any of this stuff. Don't watch TV and do all. No, I don't think that's well, true. And I, don't think, I, said, and I yeah. think that's too extreme anyway. Like, unless that's what you want and that's the environment. Oh, believe me, that'd be hypocritical. I mean, I'd find myself zoning out sometimes like, all right, I need to let my brain zone out, yeah. you know? And so that's perfectly fine. But no, I think this goes back to what we talked about before is that just give people the opportunity to make their own choices, right? I would never come out and say, oh, you should and shouldn't do this. I'd say, look, you should just be aware. You should be a critical thinker. I mean, I actually do think that's cool that you told your daughter like, hey, I trust you. Mm -hmm. It was scary to do that. I For mean, sure. And that was anecdotal. There's been other situations, obviously, in our family, like thinking through it, but right. That's powerful because you know what? She's going to remember that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's amazing how those things stick. And so I may try that with my son. Mm -hmm. Be like, hey, listen. Don't blame me when it doesn't work, right? Well, I mean, you know, they yeah. are my kids. And so I'd be like, well, you know, yeah. I should have known better. I yeah. definitely need to <laughs> crack down. There's things, I mean, he's 11 years old. And so what I've been trying to work with him on is, hey, look, my youngest will take the initiative, get himself ready, everything else. Mm -hmm. My oldest, he's a lot They're like all his different. dad. Yeah. He's ADD like me, you know. And he'll like kind of just zone out and do this or that. I'm like, son, I have to expend so much energy just telling you to do the basic stuff you should know how to do. Your yeah. brother's ready before you 10 minutes before. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is ridiculous, you know? 
And, you know, and I'm not trying to shame him, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm not going to coddle him and be like, you need to get your shit together, man. And so now we've I said, all right, well, what are the things that would have helped me? So I was like, look, you're going to write down every night. These are the things that you got to get done tomorrow. So he creates his own checklist. And my wife was like, well, couldn't we just like type one up and print it? I said, no. I said, writing it helps him remember it because it starts to create a habit. It starts to create, and it also starts to create this, like, you know, he's learning that, oh, I need to start taking responsibility because I'm 11. Yeah. I'm going to be a man one day. I need to start taking responsibility. And so now, I mean, just after four days of doing this, he's already taking the initiative and getting it done himself. I don't have to come in there and check anymore. So what it is, is like, he's showing me that I can trust him. And then at the same time, I'm going to turn and say, hey, look, you know. Well, he had someone out there that was helping him along with this. Maybe bringing the awareness. Sometimes you have to bring the awareness to an 11-year-old and it's got to be on his terms and you gave him these ideas and it works for him. And that might not work for someone else. And that's fine. That's why you got to continue to iterate and try new things. And well, this isn't working. Let's do it this way. Or That's true. I'll tell you what brings the awareness to an 11-year-old boy, though. Body slam. <laughs> He's real aware now. Yeah. 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 He likes wrestling. Oh, he does. So a lot of the guys I work with and spend time with down at Fort Bragg, a lot of them do jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. I've never gotten into it. I never, well, I've never really tried. You know, a different form of martial arts is you just kind of feel the things like, yeah, this is more like what I feel like is, you know, normal for me. My son, on the other hand, to me, it seems very clear, like grappling and ground fighting. Mm. That's going to be his thing. Well, come to find out, like one of the best Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners and teachers is four miles from our house. Oh, wow. This guy named Lucas Lepre, like he's this oh, that's cool. legendary, like MMA fighters will fly into Charlotte, just go train with him around wow. the corner. Yeah. And so the guys I know, they're like, oh man, if he lives there, you know, and some of them, they're yeah, the ones that told me like, hey, he lives in Charlotte. I don't know where. I was like, oh, that's just four miles from my house. Yeah. They're like, you got to go there, man. Oh, wow. That's cool. So for my son and I, that's also finding something for us to do together. So yeah. I want to try that with him and couldn't be a better place to learn, I yeah. suppose. That's fun how that works out. Yeah. You want to yeah. come with us? Do. Not because, I mean, I don't want to roll around on a mat with you or anything, but yeah, uh, we're going to go there. We now. could podcast about I was it. doing boxing before. Yes. Yeah. See, that's what I'm more into. I like that. Yeah. That was fun. Crazy workout. Oh, yeah, dude. Intense. Yeah. Like, yeah. In different parts of the city, you know, where you just like typically wouldn't go. Right. And, yeah. 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 That's well, fun. that's the thing, right? Go find the people who you know are legit that can uh, kick yeah. your ass. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the way it was for me in cycling, was I didn't want to go ride with guys who I could just. Yeah, kick their asses all the time. I want to go find the guys that could just beat me bad because that makes you better. Level up. That's why you're here on the podcast. Is it? It's like, yeah. It's because like level, level up. up. It's challenging. That was a good. It's no, challenging. That's go, good. Buddy. Look at yeah. you connecting dots. Yeah. And just like, whew, yeah. Kind of zinger. And on that note, that's yeah. good, man. That was really good. We're going to keep doing this. We should. I'm really hungry. I need to go eat some salad. Yeah. It's going to get eat something good. You don't want to get too tired. Still early. It's still early. Yeah. I know. I got to call it three o'clock. Oh, wow. This was fun. This I never thought I was a negative Nancy, and I sure hope the listeners yeah. don't think so either. But I would like to say one thing, Terry. Yeah. If you're listening, I just want you to know I appreciate that you're listening, and you could have done so much better than your son. But anyway, so good. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. So this is a shout out to uh, Eric's mom, Terry, who uh, apparently liked our last podcast. So I'm glad we've got a third listener now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> You'll share it, right? You show these episodes, maybe? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, video is my medium, so maybe we just record the next one while we're doing this mm, right here. Put a video over in the corner of the room. Why wouldn't we? One there, one here. There's a whole setup like the switchboard you can flip back and forth Ooh. on. Yeah. Automatic cameras and going back and forth. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That'd be next Get a level. drone. I'm really thinking we need to have just like a Charlotte-based discussion. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. Which would force us to get out and about. Yeah. In Charlotte even yeah, more. Yeah. I have an idea around that. We'll talk about it. All right. Sounds good. It's good, man. All, All right. right. Thanks, man. See you. 
One of my favorite things about CadSource is the opportunity to chat with amazing business leaders and entrepreneurs. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you want to connect, you can find me on LinkedIn or visit us at cadsource.com. Thank you for listening to this CadSource production, Entrepreneur Perspectives, building and protecting your business one podcast at a time. Content Matters with a Z is our content marketing company that helps entrepreneurs tell their own stories to those who care. And here's the thing. We think every entrepreneur that is willing should have their own content platform. And we want to help make that happen, both by working directly with entrepreneurs and by sharing our own stories, exploring the craft of content marketing. Content Matters, one piece of content at a time. Learn more at cascontent.com.